Good evening, and thanks for joining us. Tonight, our topics begins with a summary of the four future GOP actions that are bound to happen and take place as Trump is ready to run for 2024. America First is here to stay. Next, we jump on the discussion around why the Democrats are jumping ship on New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's sexual harassment scandal. The annual conservative political action conference concluded on Sunday night with the 45th speaking. In almost one and a half hours, he addressed many key answers to questions we needed to hear. Trump declared his America First movement to be far from over, criticized the Biden administration, charted the course for the future of the Republican Party, and hinted that he may run for president again in 2024. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. And then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that will be. I wonder who that will be. Who, who, who will that be? I wonder. Over the course of the conference, there has been a general few messages that are where all the speakers, including President Trump, tried to get across to the world, especially to Washington politicians. I will start with a summary of Trump's speech, and then I'll address these areas individually. Trump warned that Biden has followed a radical socialist path that could lead to communism. He says, we will save and strengthen America, and we will fight the onslaught of radicalism, socialism, and indeed it all leads to communism. Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history. That's true. Already, the Biden administration has proven that they are anti-jobs, anti-family, anti-borders, anti-energy, anti-women, and anti-science. And we all knew that Biden administration was going to be bad, but none of us imagined just how bad they would be and how far they would go. Trump devoted a significant portion of his speech to the first actions by Biden on immigration. He said Biden's reversal of his actions on immigration has resulted in a flood of illegal aliens, especially minors. He said Biden's radical immigration policies aren't just illegal, they are immoral, they're heartless, and they are a betrayal of our nation's core values. He said the Republican Party is united, the only division is between a handful of Washington, D.C. establishment political hacks and everybody else all over the country. Trump called on Biden to reopen schools and accused the president of acting at the behest of teachers' unions, which are resisting reopenings. He touted his administration's successes in dealing with the CCP virus pandemic. Trump's position as leader of the conservative movement was clear throughout the four days of the speeches and at the panels at the CPAC with the crowds often breaking into cheers when Trump's name was mentioned. None of the speakers criticized the former president. Now, given the current political standing, a recent poll taken at the conference suggests that 95% of the attendees want Trump's policies to be continued, and 97% approved of his performance in office. Trump also gathered more than twice the support of any other GOP candidate in the hypothetical 2024 presidential ballot. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis received 21% of the vote compared to 55% who chose Trump. And Trump laid out the agenda for the Republican Party, identifying election integrity as one of the top priorities. One day, 
one day. And the only people that should be allowed to vote by mail are people that can be proven to be either very sick or out of the country or military where they can't do it. One day, they have millions and millions of ballots sitting around all over the place for long periods of time. Gee, I wonder what happens with those ballots. I wonder what happens. It's common sense. It's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. There should be a legitimate reason for someone to vote absentee. Has to have a reason. We should eliminate the insanity of mass and very corrupt mail-in voting. We must have voter ID. We need universal signature matching. They want to pass a bill where you don't have to match signatures, where signatures don't mean anything. Now, they know it's all, just like with the wall, just like with voter ID, when you need to go into anything that's Democrat-run, you need it. But for voting, which is our most sacred institution, uh, you don't — they don't want to let you have it. There should be a 100 percent requirement to verify the citizenship of every person who votes. And there must be a chain of custody protections for every ballot. Now let's discuss the GOP's directions going forward. The first, unified policies. Now, for the Republicans gearing up for the next election cycle, there's going to be a few areas they want to focus on. And it shows in their speech. Multiple speakers, including South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem's, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former Acting Director of National Intelligence Rick Grinnell, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, among a few others as well. They spoke with confidence of the stance of the GOP against China, which is the biggest enemy of the U.S. right now and the biggest enemy to freedom. And this will be a central message of foreign policy to anyone that runs in the GOP caucus. In a summary of his next four-year plan, Trump says, We believe in standing up to China, shutting down outsourcing, bringing back our factories and supply chains, and ensuring that America, not China, dominates the future of the world. Companies that leave America to create jobs in China and other countries that have ripped us off for years should not be rewarded. They should be tariffed, fined, and punished. They should not be rewarded. The future of the Republican Party is as a party that defends the social, economic, and cultural interests and values of working American families of every race, color, and creed. Republicans believe that the needs of every citizen must come first. In fact, America must come first. We don't put it first. They don't put it first. As well, Mike Pompeo says, and, and when the Chinese wanted to come steal your job, we just said, no way. <laughs> 40 years, bipartisan, Democrat and Republican, 40 years of failure, letting made in China crush us was going to stop. We demanded fair and reciprocal trade. Never forget to, China depends more for us than we do on them. President Trump understood that, our foreign policy understood that, and we protected the American worker, worker from the Chinese Communist Party's predation on us here in America. So it seems that the priority of the Republican foreign policy is in two areas. From what I can hear, the core is still standing up against China, and the second unified direction of policy in terms of domestic or foreign is creating and maintaining American first. 
Prior to Trump's speech, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in a separate day also addressed multiple areas where the Democrats have aligned themselves closer with China, as well through these so-called globalizing actions. Pompeo spoke about the Trump administration's defense of America and Israel in the Middle East, and changes they made in certain policies that they were told were not possible. Pompeo also criticized the Paris Climate Accord, calling it a job-destroying joke. We all, we all want clean air, safe drinking water, but the Paris Agreement was a fantasy for elite diplomats who just wanted to virtue signal. So far, tough on China, America first is the core of the GOP foreign policy and in its extension of domestic policy. Now, the third unified policy we know is that GOP is about making jobs. It's about lowering taxes. It's about very mobilizing economy works. So I won't focus too much on that. And the fourth area of the unified GOP policy going forward is going to be kicking out the establishment while maintaining an establishing House and Senate majority. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Representative Jim Banks, who is the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, spoke out about the future of the Republican Party during a CPAC panel. Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union, said he believes Republicans have a great chance to win back the House majority in the 2022 midterm elections, in which McCarthy responded almost instantly with, Not a chance, we're going to get there the majority back. There we're five go. seats away. <laughs> I would bet my house. Listen, we, are, we were 31,751 votes. My personal house. house. Yeah. Don't tell my wife, but I would bet it. Listen. Do you want to retire Nancy Pelosi? Hell yeah. Do you want to end the socialism in this country? Yeah. Win the House, five seats, the closest. This is the smallest majority the Democrats have had in 100 years. McCarthy recalled on election night that many thought the GOP would lose 20 House seats. We got closer than anybody thought we could get. They said we were going to lose 20 seats that night. No one said we'd win seats. The, my dearest friend, who's a hardcore Republican, said that best we could do is lose 10. But this is the little secret. You know why we won that? President Trump worked on all these races. And let me, let, let me give you a little secret. And a little facts, because I want you to tell your friends, especially your liberal friends. This is the first time since 1994 no incumbent Republican lost. We beat 15 Democrats. And you know who the 15 Democrats lost to? conservative women and conservative minorities, each and every one of them. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says, we cannot, we will not go back to the days of the failed Republican establishment of yesteryear. He added, the question is, when the click lights get hot, when the left comes after you, will you stay strong or will you fold? In terms of kicking out the establishment GOP members, that will be hard but it's to ensure that the position of the establishment is weakened to the point where they cannot play a decisive role and an active role in the GOP anymore. Trump is ready to look at backing multiple candidates running against the GOP establishment candidates in 2022 and 2024. Now, I want to briefly go back to the American first aspect. And I think since establishing this core principle of the GOP direction, it's bound to be a central course of action throughout each area of the previously mentioned policies. I was with the president so many trips, and he would tell his counterparts across the world, he would say, look, I'm going to put America first as the president of the United States, and I expect you will put your country and your people first. And we'll work together 
and accomplish this for both of our countries, and we did that. Do you know that to this day, most of the liberals and most of the folks on T-Bite still won't acknowledge that ridding the world of an America-hitting terrorist was a good thing. This is, this is fantasy. Look, we, we too, we drew a red line when the Syrians gassed children and women. And we told them, don't do that again. And when they crossed it, President Trump ordered 70 plus beautiful American-made Tomahawk missiles to let them know that we weren't gonna allow them to kill women and children. Whether it's with China, domestic jobs, or national security, maybe even immigration, the idea is that America first is America first. And from that standpoint, I think the directions map themselves out automatically. Trump ran in 2016 on an explicitly America first agenda. And with a landmark foreign policy speech in the April of that year, widely interpreted as hearkening a pullback from the interventionalist policies of his predecessors. After he was elected, the practical elements of Trump's doctrine became clearer. On an economic front, he pursued policies that sought to pr prioritize the interests of American workers by trying to force transnational corporations to reshore their supply chains and by seeking to protect them from unfair foreign competition, both from low-wage centers like China and from illegal immigration that drove wage down. Rick Grinnell said, once unleashed, this doctrine has shown it won't easily be tossed aside. By successfully realigning U.S. foreign policy with the interests of the American people, America First is now positioned to guide our country through the trials and tribulations of the next generation. Once unleashed, this doctrine has shown it won't easily be tossed aside. The American people demanded a part in the democratic process of formulating foreign policy. Once they got it, they won't ever let it go. Ever. But I think the biggest realization was that it was uncomfortable for the establishment and the Democrat to break the chain of their way of doing things. And it was uncomfortable to a lot of American people and even people around the world to see this shift towards traditional govern government orders and the so-called selfish policy. It was shocking to them because they had been so used to the establishment way of doing things. But now I think most countries have seen the flourish and the achievements that the U.S. has gained under Trump, and it's undeniable, especially if you contrast it with China. Standing before you today, I am supremely confident that for our movement, for our party, and for our country, our brightest days are just ahead, and that together we will make America prouder, freer, stronger, and greater than it ever has been before. Thank you, CPAC. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you all. Thank you. In our second topic today, I wanted to do an analysis on why New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is now seemingly being abandoned by the Democrat after he was accused of sexual harassment against now two former employees. Cuomo has asked the state attorney general and chief appeals court judge to jointly appoint an independent lawyer to investigate claims he sexually harassed at least two women who had previously worked for him. Now, following the accusation made by Charlotte Bennett and Lindsey Bolin, Cuomo has come up with the statements attempting to clear his name. Now, it was unclear whether the proposal would appease legislative leaders and other top Democrats who are trying to apparently start an impeachment against him. Beth Garvey, special counsel to the governor, said 
The governor's office wants a review of the sexual harassment claims made against the governor to be done in a manner beyond reproach. And we had selected former federal judge Barbara Jones with a stellar record for qualifications and integrity. But we want to avoid even the perception of a lack of independence or inference of politics. Garvey said the Democratic governor's administration has asked Attorney General Letitia James and Janet Fiore, who is the chief judge of the Court of Appeals, to jointly select an independent and qualified lawyer in private practice without political affiliation to conduct a thorough review of the matter and issue a public report. Letitia James on Twitter, though, says to clarify, I do not accept the governor's proposal. The state's executive law clearly gives my office the authority to investigate this matter once the governor provides a referral. And while I have deep respect for Chief Judge DeFore, I am the duly elected attorney general and it is my responsibility to carry out this task. The governor must provide this referral so an independent investigation with subpoena power can be conducted. So why does it seem like the Democrats and the mainstream media are finally accepting the fact that they used to cover for Cuomo's scandal is now trying to go to the opposite? Well, given that the nursing home scandal last year was essentially neglected in terms of coverage. Now listen to this. According to a report by the National Pulse, in a summary from the Newsbusters reads, a Nexus search found ABC's World News Tonight, the CBS Evening News, and NBC Nightly News discussed Cuomo in at least 401 evening news stories between March 1st and December 31st, 2020, including weekends. Yet only two of those stories, both on nightly news, made any reference to Cuomo's nursing home order. Total airtime, a mere 51 seconds. ABC's World News Tonight and the CBS Evening News failed to entirely to touch the scandal at all. Here is the interesting thing about the Democratic Party. They seem to uphold this social justice the righteous image, so that it's inevitable if scandals like this from Cuomo comes out, they will have to cover it, unless it involves the feminism and the hashtag MeToo movement stuff. It's what they're all about, right? So for them, this time is different. Now in reality, I think the biggest reason is that it even shows Andrew Cuomo and maybe even Gavin Newsom from California are still disposable to the Democrats. At this time, especially following Biden coming into the White House and that COVID policies in New York and California have already damaged the state, all the while establishing a totalitarian system through the virus. So both Cuomo and Newsom's usefulness have degraded. And they can now become the scapegoat for all things to shift the attention away from Washington, to shift the attention from what Biden's administration is doing. And it's actually quite beneficial to bring down Cuomo and Newsom for the Democrat. They can easily replace them with others uh, who are equally left-leaning. But if this does happen, you can see how sad it is to be the crony of the left, used and pretty much left to die. Now this again is a communist way of acting. When it's not time for a political movement, everyone is happy and peaceful. But once it is time to set an example, no one can escape the potential of being a target. Even if you have dedicated your entire life to more of this quote-unquote glorious cause. No, I think this event with Cuomo for one, the abusers could have been set up to come out at this time as the timing is okay now. The, the Democrats think it's stable enough to begin internal struggles with each other. Because I don't think they're 
is no struggle within the Democratic Party. I actually think there's at least two factions within the Democrat as well. One of them is more radical and the other a little bit less. So the more progressive and more radical side is pitting against the traditional establishment like Democrats. So it's not always just the GOP versus the Democrat. Sort of like the establishment versus the Trump wing, but now you have the left version of that. For two, how many politicians in the Democratic Party are actually doing this type of behavior? Who are not being covered or not being revealed? We don't know that, and this is the scary thing. We know that Cuomo was accused by two, but how many others have yet to speak out about this? And this and hypocrisy is becoming the norm in the blue states. That is it for today. Thanks so much for watching tonight's episode. Thanks for your continued support of Beyond the Noise. Have a wonderful evening. It's happy Monday. Take care.